Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode zero of the Pivot Play podcast. It's been a long time in the works. And I can tell you that the original plan was to start with a whole different set of content. There's already been episodes recorded with some really great guests on some great topics. But in light of what's going on, I had to pivot and do something a little bit different. So on this opening episode, I'll be joined by a couple of special guests who will be introduced uh, for an episode that I'm calling From Pandemic to Pandemonium. So enjoy, strap up, get some really serious talk about not just what's going on, uh, but how should we interpret what's going on and then what can we do differently. So thrilled to have you with us. Here's Pivot Play. All right, so Pivot Play podcast. Here we are live, live, first episode live. Um, not at all the way I had planned to launch this sh- this show, <laughs> um, this podcast. Um, but when you think about it, the whole idea behind the podcast was to talk about the impacts from the pandemic um, and COVID-19, knowing that people are going to have to make a shift, right? You have to move their lives, maybe their skills, their talents, their careers, their business mm-hmm. in a different direction. And so we sat on the sidelines for a bit with that. And now just when we come back, we go from pandemic to pandemonium. Uh, so I have with me two of my really good friends, D. Reed, serial entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and my and my and my good friend um Maurice Drew Baynard, Dr. Baynard. Which is your your PhD is you said neurobiology. What'd you say? Neurobiology. Let's keep neurobiology. it simple. I, I will keep it simple. But Please. from an act from can we say who you work for? Is that cool? Yeah. So I'm at the University of Arts professor in critical studies at the University of Arts, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. All right. So dude, it's Monday, June the 1st, and we find ourselves in the middle of just something none of us could have ever imagined. If you saw this coming in your crystal balls, way better than mine. So (laughs) I don't want to spend all of our time just talking about what's happening, but I think some of the background from your perspective and where you are in terms of geography standpoint, like I'm in the Midwest, just outside of St. Louis. D. Reed, you're in Wilmington. Drew, you're in Philly. D. And one of the reasons I thought, and we were scheduled to, both you guys, we were scheduled um, actually within the last couple of days to record episodes for the podcast on totally different topics than what we're talking about now. And again, this thing hit us um, behind the unfortunate um, killing death of uh, George Floyd. So it's, it's been really tough. But D, what, what's it like in Wilmington? Just tell folks what it's like there. Um, well, I, I can tell you what it was like uh, a couple of days ago. Um, we went through the whole rioting thing. and um, but, but let me be fair. It started out as a, a peaceful uh, protest, you know what I mean, at one of our areas downtown, Rodney Square. Um, it started out that way. I even saw it on Facebook Live. I was like, okay, well, it started out peaceful. Next thing you know, I turned turn it, turn it um, off and go back on. And they're down the police station. This thing's starting to round up a little bit. Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? And then uh, after that, that night came and it started becoming dust. It was just terrible. It was just terrible. Right. People were breaking. We're doing the same thing we're seeing on TV, nothing different than what we're seeing in the other cities. It, it turned into the riots. You know what I mean? A lot of young right. people, a lot of mixed race too. It wasn't just black people out there. A lot of different races out there. 
um, causing havoc on local businesses. And honestly, right. the sad thing, I think a lot of people is cool with it. <laughs> so that's what I'm hearing. So what, I know you guys are on your side. What do you mean when you say a lot of a lot of people are cool with it? What do you mean by that? I mean, I don't know how candid we can get on here, but a lot of people say, hey, F it, man. Them businesses. Oh, okay. Well, that's how people feel. Like, I mean, that's what I was getting. I mean, I tried to um, collect as much information I can to get a better perspective on really what's going on, how people feeling. But you got people on one hand saying, damn them businesses. We don't care about them business. They don't care about us. And, you know what I mean? People were mad. So I understand. You know what I mean? So that's well, one but side. You, but you but you have you have a storefront business. You 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 have a large barbershop. Um, you have a, a large and loyal clientele, but you also have a lot of people who earn their living at his image, you know, barber lounge. So what's what are your thoughts on that when people are so careless in their language and their thoughts about not understanding the, the ripple effect of their actions on how people live their lives. Um, well, I think nowadays nothing really surprises me how people feel. I mean, we live in an era where wrong is right and right is wrong and all that type of thing. So, you know, you kind of, it still kind of hits you though. Um, one thing I learned and, and it, it, you really can't dispute this, wrong is wrong. I don't care who has it, who does it, when you do it, what time you do it. Wrong is still wrong. You know what I mean? Now, you may have a motive or a good reason. You know what I mean? If somebody did something, you don't want to do it back. Yeah, okay. You can do it back, but it's still wrong, no matter what. Wrong is wrong. Right. So how I feel is that I think um, people have a right to be angry. I think people have a right to protest um, peacefully, and I think they should protest. I also think people should be angry. Um, I just think that we have to direct our anger towards the right source that caused us the pain. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, um, I think. Okay. Can, I, can I jump in and ask you a question, Dave? So, I mean, because your point is interesting. Uh, I and Jerry were talking just before we started this. Um, and I made this analogy. If I walked by somebody who had just thrown a rock through a window and everybody was grabbing flat screen TVs, it would never occur to me to grab a flat screen TV and run. Um, and that's just the way I was raised, right? That's because I understand the, what the ethics were that I was raised with. It's not my television. I could never come home with a bike that was not mine and say that somebody had loaned it to me. I couldn't wear a jacket home from school, right? Like I had to go back, find that kid and give him his jacket back. Um, but do you think that a large portion, I, I mean, I heard you say right is right and wrong is wrong, but do you think those same ethics are shared by everybody in our community or is our community made up of people who have a whole variety of ethics. Uh, I think this is the latter part of what you're saying. I think we have a variety, and that's the problem. Um, yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's a tough one. Let me tell you why. Because you got black people that are raised like you were. That if it's yours, it's yours, and if it ain't yours, leave it alone. Right. You know, that's right. and that's how I was raised. I'm just not a thief, so there's nothing I can do about that. I'm just not a thief. I don't care if it's. I love Ferraris, and if that glass break open, I can go grab that Ferrari with the keys on it. I know it's not mine. I, I, I'm not going to rock that way. But you got some ignorant people out here or that haven't been taught that way, not me ignorant in the, in the right way, that just don't know, number one. And then we have another ignorant people, a.k.a. niggas of all races, that don't care. You know what I mean? It's, it's unfortunately that the people that they pinpoint as niggas look like black people, you know? And all black people are not niggas. Black, you know what I mean? So you got people that's going to be ignorant. Oh, am, I, am I right? You know, you got some people out here that's, out here want to operate on that level where I am the thief, I'm going to take it. 
You know what I mean? And, that, and that's not right. It's just not right. No matter what, you can come up with your motive and all that, why you did it. But at the end of the day, stealing and breaking into people's stuff that's not true is wrong. At the end of the day. But, I don't but, care there, to so, but, the, but the battle between right and wrong sometimes is a matter of perspective. Sometimes it's a matter of environment and how you've been influenced. Like there have been people who have been raised to to hate you because of the color of your skin. It's just the way right. that they were raised. In the same way, if you have a you you had children, if you show them, you know, the color green, but tell them that it's blue, yeah. they're gonna believe exactly what you said. And even when someone comes to them with different evidence, it's gonna be very difficult to change their perspective. So there's some people who who have these beliefs. So the idea that they could hate you, steal from you, mistreat you, they don't see it as wrong. You see it as wrong, but this is just the way that it is to them. You understand what you you get what I'm saying? And I, I think I, that that's the I, I issue. Get, is, yeah, I kind of get what you're saying. And like far as is, that's how they were raised and all those things. And I kind of get the analogy a little bit. The only thing, and not not discrediting the analogy. Mm -hmm. Them thinking one color is another color, and I know you just use it for analogy, it's not going to affect nobody's life at all. It's just going to affect your life. But when you are taught something that you may thought was right, but if you ultimately found out was wrong because it affects somebody's life, then that's different. Like, I can teach you that they can teach you racism and that we're bigger and, and, and you're supposed to put other races down. And that's how they've been raised all their life, so that's all they know. But when you get out here and do it and see the effects that it does to somebody's life, there's something that's on the inside that God only put there to show you really right for wrong. You know, something ain't right with that because that person hurt it. That person's sad. That person or something. Something's going to trigger on the inside, even if you was taught the right wrong way. You understand what I'm saying? You got it. I understand what you're saying. I just don't know that else's life. I understand what you're saying. I just don't know that I've experienced it the way that the way that you're saying it. And you know people like this too that can steal from people, hurt people, and they can go have a beer, a soda. Like it just doesn't, they don't process oh, yeah, other people's pain, right? They simply see it from their point of view. So let me let me segue real quick here. So uh Drew, what what's happening in Philly, man? It's everything I hear oh. says is a little bit bizarre. Yeah, there. so Philadelphia I would call chaos central. Right. And so I mean, I think there's some context, you know. Um Philadelphia is one of the poorest. Um, large cities in America. And um, I think like every other city in America with a large African-American population, we were particularly affected by the video details of George Floyd and his death. Um, even though we're overly sensitized to the death of black man, men at the hand of sort of overly aggressive policing. We've all seen it. We've, yes. lot, most of us have experienced it. You know, I mean, the thing that I've been reflecting on the last two weeks is the numbers of times I've been dragged out of cars because I asked a simple question of an officer, the number of times that those car stops have escalated into multiple police cars coming. And the number of times I've ended up in cuffs and in jail, um, simply pleading for someone to be rational because nothing really happened. So I think we all understand that context. But there was something, you know, I was talking to another cat that I really, really respect earlier today about what made this one different given the fact that we, like we know this, like this is a thing. Um, you, could, you could list everybody's name on a t-shirt who has nationally 
been sort of broadcast, their death has been broadcast at the hands of police. And his take was, there was something really visceral about this particular death that's not mm -hmm. just like the aftermath of being shot in the back where right. a body is on the ground, but as you see someone on the ground pleading for their life over the course of an extended time, and you kind right. of already can't anticipate what the outcome's going to be, yet somehow in real time, him, none of the police that stood around, or even the people right. could anticipate that this was going to really hang badly, that it had sort of a differing effect, that now we watch, it was like a snuff film, right? We watched someone executed in real time, and then that was literally the tipping point. And so if you live in a city like Philadelphia, you can imagine what that tipping point does to people who all have this collective memory of um, the way in which they have been abused by over-policing. And so, um, you right. know, on Saturday, there was a really large social protest that devolved over time into a lot of looting um, in the Philadelphia downtown area which like all sort of really affluent center cities is full of name brands. And we've seen some looting in the past, like in my lifetime, we've seen different um, events of looting and the like, but nothing like this, like total destruction of all of the sort of the shopping in downtown area. And then like, to my surprise, um, the next day, um, Sunday, we watched that looting move from that areas out to the more residential, right? To places where you wouldn't expect. So um, all black communities where it's nothing but small business owners and small black black owners just decimating those communities. And, you know, like I told you earlier, we watched, um, all of those areas that like um, community development and gentrification, like whatever, whatever you think is the driving force for building up of those communities, um, we watch all of that progress kind of destroyed, right, o overnight. And so the question is, in that kind of free for all, what is the long play? I mean, mm. you know, there's sort of social implications, there's racial implications. So here's the state of Philadelphia today. Um, you know, we've had like in the middle of the day looting like so even now as i'm talking to you guys overhead you can hear the helicopters it's nothing but helicopters and sirens all day um 500 feet away from me i have one of those um you know sort of inner city walkout chinese stores that everybody in this community uses um attacked and um looted and burned like that was in the middle of the day. That was like two o'clock this afternoon. And you really don't know now that the sun is down. It's, there was a whole bunch of loot until 4 a.m. Uh, last night. And you feel like, um, where are we on this curve? That this could go on, especially since folk are out of work, folk are in the lockdown. This could go on for weeks. So um, let me so let me let me throw something in here, and I think it's interesting too. And I'm, I'm really glad I have D on for this. Um, so you talk about now West Philly. So we know West Philly is that's that's a largely black community, right? So the idea that people would go 
in and vandalize, loot, and destroy the businesses that are in there. And I want to, well, I'm not going to say in their neighborhood, these people, because I know some people travel, right, for looting. We'll talk about that later. But businesses that are clearly, you know, black owned, I'm, I'm wondering is the sense of apathy so deep, right? Like, D, you know what it took for you to start and build your business. You put your life's blood into it, you hustled. But I think there's people on the outside who have so little appreciation of maybe just understanding of what that process is and feel so outside the system that it's difficult for them to value it. They're not even thinking about what it took for it to come about. And so for them to go and break a window, steal everything that you, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't know that it, it registers. I mean, you mentioned the poverty in Philadelphia. I didn't think I learned this till a couple of days ago. I think the, the, the poverty level in Philadelphia is about 26%. If I think, if I have my numbers, that's an incredibly high number of people who are at or below the poverty line. Cause that's like, you're not making it. So I don't know if I was in that situation, right? And there's some science behind this that yeah. says that people who live in survival mode, right? Literally it changes your brain chemistry and you lose the ability to make long-term decisions. Like there's real science behind that. So we can sit here and have an informed, intelligent conversation. I think people who feel that they've been disenfranchised, pushed down um, and really pushed out of the system to where they're no longer visible, just don't have any of the mechanisms that we are talking about. And that's not to make any excuse for it. I'm just trying to find some way to better understand it so we can figure out what the next move is. Like D, I'm so super grateful that your business wasn't touched. Are you muted? Did you mute yeah, yourself? Yeah, in? that's the other side of it. Can you hear me now? Yep. Oh, real quick, am I supposed to see you? Because I don't see you. I don't know if you are supposed to see you. Uh, well, we see you. You should see me. I don't see you at all, just so you know. Really? I got on a no. nice Eagles hat and this black yeah. jacket. Eagles? Eagles. It, let's not even get into that, D. Okay. We, I'm going to have you on just for a whole GOAT conversation. We're not going to get into right. that tonight. <laughs> all right. So, I'm to answer your question. What Delawarean football team is D a fan of? No, I'm not Eagles fan. Oh, I was just like, Who? go Blue Hens. Like, what? what's happening? <laughs> oh, Blue Hens, cool. You know, I'm cool with that. More so Dell State, though. Okay. Dell State, I'm cool with them. All right, there it is. Um, but, yeah, we'll get to that. I guess we'll get to that, right? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, Jared, can you can hear me, right? We're good? Oh, I, I hear you fine. I see you fine, too. Okay, I just don't see you. I guess you'll work on that while I'm talking. Um, okay. Anyway, uh yeah, it would be really see what people don't understand that some of these business owner or owners are on the same side that you're on, meaning that they're just as upset, if not more upset. You know, like me, I am so upset of this whole situation with George Floyd that I almost couldn't sleep. That's how upset I was. And it's not just that situation, but all the situations that even led up to George Floyd that come from systemic racism. Like, I'm 46 year old, so I know that it's not just the racist people. It's a system behind this that makes a man like a white man feels comfortable. What's the worst could happen to me if me put my knee on this black brother's neck? And and, and I don't know if anybody knows, it seemed like they, the really dark skinned brothers, brothers really got a problem. 
You know what I mean? Where they just really hating on the dark skin brothers. You know, so I, I noticed that too. So I said that to say this, as a business owner that really feels bad about the situation, I would be really, really upset if I came outside and see my business marked up, windows busted, and they feel like, well, he got insurance. Yeah, I got insurance on my car, but I don't want nobody rear-ending me. You know what I mean? I got insurance <laughs> on my house, but I don't want nobody burn the roof off. You know what I mean? So I would be real upset. And that's one thing that they're not understanding that these people, business that they're burning down are just as upset as you are, you know, and they right. don't understand that. Um, another thing, um, it's like they're directing their anger towards the wrong people, you know what I mean, as far as doing the businesses. I, don't, I just don't think it's fair. It, it will, again, it will hurt me uh, 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 a lot just knowing that somebody burned my business down and I'm on the same team as you as being um, feeling upset and disrespected by what happened in Minnesota. Right. So let me let me give you um, I'm going to give you some names. Philando Castile, Terrence Crutcher, Sandra Bland, Eric hmm. Garner, Mike Brown, uh, Rika Boyd, Sean Bell, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, Dan Roy Henry, Oscar Grant, the third Ayanna Jones. And I, and I got way more names here, but this is this is a list of names of people who were unarmed, who were killed by aggressive police um and there's no conviction i mean i got, I got literally a, a whole list of them i saw right. a meme i didn't know if it was true but i'll say it anyway because if, if it is true it's just it's, it's really kind of jacked up but it, it says that michael vick served more time in jail for killing dogs than the last 400 and like say 50 police who killed unarmed black people. Mm. And, I, I don't know. And even if that stat isn't right, Michael Vick um, served a higher social cause than the 450 cops who killed. How about that? And so the question is why, um, why is the dominant narrative of the lack of concern about black people who, are, who die at the hands of, um, you know, police officers like, so much less than any other thing. Like we 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 clock in under whales, uh, um, you know, rescue dogs. We uh, the whole thing. Like it, which which is one small piece of the frustration of people on the street. I mean, we get that, right? Right. So I I don't know how we got to this place where black life is so devalued in America. And I have friends from other countries, in particular, some friends from from West Africa, um, and well, man, uh, Ghana, other places, where they're like, they're like, I didn't know I was black until I got to America. Wow! Right, and and, and right. Drew, you traveled, you've been over there, you you know, and they're like, I'm I'm what? Because they just don't, they've never been forced to see themselves that way or see a value on it, right? And you can trace, if you really get into the history, especially people who are out there and, um, and maybe think that this is overblown, um, but they really don't understand the real history of white supremacy um, and where it comes from. But it is born out of two things, and minimally, and you guys can tell me if it's more than that from your perspective. Mm -hmm. One is um, greed, <laughs> um, and I got to say it, religion. 
right? Like a lot of these positions that people take have been born out of some interpretation of a religious stance that they have that makes them think that it's okay for them to, mm -hmm. to lord over, pillage, kill. I mean, you can you can follow the, the history of it. You know, I took a trip to Amsterdam last year and I wish I, I had it up. I would show you guys the, the, the picture of this building um, in, a, in an area called Newmarket. It's a beautiful building right in the middle of town and it has this really interesting history and somewhat unfortunate history. Like today, it is like a really, really nice restaurant today. But at one point it was like a garrison. So it was a place where the city was defended because at that point the water, you know, came right up to this building. They've since built um, more onto it. It's kind of crazy they did that. But with everything else that was happening with this building on the very top floor of it was a place where they did experiments on Africans. Men, right. women, children, dissecting. Drew, you know this, these you know these stories? I know the story, yeah. And it um, was, you know, one of the foundations that was tried, that was put out there to try to build an argument to say that we were less than, that our brains were smaller, we weren't, you know, we weren't as intelligent. No. And so it's been, when we talk about systematic, yeah. it is truly systematic. It's gone back for a very, very long time, but it was always about putting someone else in a position of power and influence and the ability to lord over someone else. And again, what they stole from you, what they took from you, how much they hurt you or maimed you. I mean, even for all we've gone through, it's one, it's funny. We don't, we don't talk about American Indians very much, but man, what, what have they been through and what do they continue to go through? I mean, you know, they have these reservations, but how are they not concentration camps? I mean, they had a few slaves too, Jared, I want you to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I but then these got a few slaves. People don't understand. And I just found that out. Like, wow, I didn't know. So I'm going right. to just go ahead and say that we should switch to Native Americans. <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, that point well taken. But even right. that point, it um, sort of obscures the larger point, right? Which is yeah. any Native American involvement in racial slavery was an output of European policy and slavery, right? Like, right. there was none of that going on before the Europeans no, showed up. I mean, you know, there's just, it's it's ironic that you would use that as an example. I had a colleague um, emailed me today, they wanted to, psychologists, um, and they wanted to revamp their syllabus in light of the current concerns in the world. And they were like, hey, could you um, send me some readings on this intersection of biology and race? And I just off the top of my head, like <laughs> was able to rattle off six major things, right? Like the bell curve, Henrietta Lacks, um, virulation, what we now know as immunization in the early colonies in 1700s, brought here by Africans, um, shared with the pilgrims, but also seen as voodoo and hoodoo while saving their lives. Um, <laughs> Um, phrenology, an entire science of the shape of skulls to support white racist beliefs that black people were somehow mentally inferior and therefore fit for slavery. I mean, just, you know, and, and it's really funny because, I mean, this is a colleague I really, really respect. And I sent sort of a short but detailed email 
about, I don't know, five or six of these subjects from the 1600s all the way up to modern day. And, uh, you know, I could almost sense in their reply, like, oh, shit, I opened up a floodgate. Right. It's just the same floodgate that you when you ask black people to go, hey, have you ever experienced racism like this thing that I'm seeing on television? Mm. <laughs> a little overwhelmed with your ability to list um, just how pervasive um, all these challenges, all these racial challenges have really been. I mean, yeah. argue, arguably, it's not it's not a you know, this is a feature. It's not a bug. Racism is a feature of the American DNA, oh. not some small bio biologic outlier. That hurts. That hurts. <laughs> That's the truth. Man. What's the truth? What? So, uh, man, I can't even ask the question. I'm just. I. I gotta. I gotta leave that right where you just said it. I'm like you, D. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts. That really, that really hurts. I mean, you know, but in part, you know, I mean, America became. You know, in the early days, the economic power that it was, because it was able to build on free labor and, right. you know, yeah. stealing ideas story. and inventions. And but go ahead, go ahead, Debra. I, I wrote a story. I think I might post this in like three parts called "The Mistress's Kids." You know, can you imagine you bringing home some other child that's yours to your wife and said, "Baby, they gotta live here," and she she gonna have a fit. Am I right? She gonna have a fit. Well, Jerry can imagine. And, I couldn't. Right, can't imagine that. Right? You got to fit. And you said, babe, listen, they're they going to work. They're going to help us. They're going to help. They're going to work. And matter of fact, one of them got talent. Yeah. That's right. how I feel for black people. Yeah. When, we, when they brought us here, we the mistress's kids, and Africa is the woman on the side. You hear what I'm telling you? And he brought wow. us, they brought yeah. us to this, this white woman called America. The problem is this. She didn't want us here in the first place. And she mad that you even brought us here. But when they found out we got talent, she embraced us. <laughs> you got wow. some talent. Come on, that's my son. But until you wow. fuck up. But when you fuck up, that ain't my son. That ain't my this. And guess what? When he first found out they got talent, go ahead and put your feet up. That's what America does. Tell us we're equal. Put your feet up. Go in the refrigerator. Do the things that we do. You know, make yourself at home. The problem is that African-Americans, we have never been able to make ourselves at home because it never made us feel that way. So, Do systemic, systemic racism. Okay, so, so we are the mistresses of it. So let me so let me let me just go down, <laughs> let's go down the list then. D, you are uh -huh. by all accounts a successful businessman in Wilmington, yes. Delaware. Right? I agree. Has that given you have has that given you your your get out of racism card? No. No. Even, and guess what? Will Smith either. <laughs> all right, but I'm gonna now I'm gonna I'm go to Drew. Drew, for all of your very interesting childhood and upbringing, right? You you've yeah. established this 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 great career as a, as an educator, just general like super smart dude, yeah. right? So you're in a different you know um, environment than D is, but but still successful. Has that gotten you your get out of racism card? I mean, absolutely not. Okay. Worse, worse right. for it. And, and I've held senior leadership positions in major corporations in this country right. for a long time. Right. Um, and my card must still be in the mail. And so what, what I'm saying is, um, even when we've demonstrated inability, even when we have been successful, 
we've solved the problems, we've provided the solutions, right? We've given the relief, whatever it is that makes something better, which is generally what you guys do. I, I still don't know if it ever gets to be much more than maybe a mild appreciation, if not just a tolerance. Oh, um, okay, Jerry, let me ask you this. Well, how many times you ever heard them call Will Smith an all-American kid? But as soon as Tim Tebow or somebody do something as white, oh, he's an all-American kid. Well, Will Smith been here all his damn life. You know what I mean? I heard, I heard it may, and as ignorant as Mayweather can be sometimes and act like he can't read or can't read, he said something real profound. He said, I'm going to call myself a black American. You know why? Because they don't call themselves European Americans. So let them call themselves European Americans and we'll start calling ourselves African Americans. You know what I mean? Because y'all came from somewhere else too. But we got to call ourselves African Americans. And y'all know the Africans don't dig us like that. I'm not, no, no shade on them. But they look like that. We, they look at us as we've been so Americanized that we're black Americans. Right. But they, white America don't call us all Americans. They'll call it all American kids. I don't care how successful you are. Right. So here, here's what I here's what I want to say to um, any anyone who's who's not who's not black, right? Who's been able to to sit through this for the 32 minutes and 25 seconds that we've been on here. We haven't already turned them off. Is to say this that there are many white people in my life that I appreciate and love, frankly, right? I mean, I just I just flat out do. Um, They've been demonstrated themselves to be my true friends. Um, and so the discussion, I think, is uncomfortable sometimes, even for them, because, again, we could do this for hours on end and just talk about the experiences that we have had, not just because we've been, you know, human beings that have grown up in America, but it's different when you when you have to do it in this color skin. Right. I mean, I, I always I kind of jokingly say when I when I retire, I want to write a book about my time in corporate America called America called Permission to Speak Freely, just wow. to really talk about how I have experienced the game. Um, and, and Drew, maybe you can help us with this. But I know that there's even some psychology around this that, you know, that myself, D, maybe you and, and Drew, maybe you and others that, you know, our mental health is just is affected just by the daily challenges of trying to be successful in, in black in America that it can weigh it can weigh you down and, and again the environments that I've been in just the code switching alone is just it's just exhausting right you know what wow. I mean wow yeah. yeah it just it wear it wears you down and what I think I would also want them to have an appreciation for is in order for us to achieve most times any level of sustained accomplishment or success, you have to learn how to live in both worlds, right? Like we, I think that generally we probably understand way more about the average white person than they understand about us and what it's like to live in our world. We've had to learn it. It's the same way that you can, you know, doing nine to five, you can speak perfect English and then see one of your boys have to work and go right to Ebonics or whatever you want to call it. You know, we, we literally know how to how to code switch, but over time it wears you down. Absolutely. To know that in the environments I've been in that I could see some people while out and clown out and act a fool. And it's like, oh, that's just John. But if I do it, 
I, you get the angry black man tag on you. Uh, and once you get it, it never goes away. Not in that wow. environment. Wow. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Is that true, fellas? <laughs> now, of course that's in true, right? It, representation matters. I mean, like many of us, especially you, Jerry, but probably you too as well, D. Like yeah. there are many rooms that I leave and when I leave, all the black people leave, right? Like I, I, I was literally